As I was walking on London Street one misty morning early, I heard a fair young maiden cry, Lord save me the life of Georgie. All right, let's do this. <laughs> Hello, Tigers! Welcome to the first of many mini-sodes of GDT3K, Gothic Dreadful Theater 3000. An almost brand new podcast at which, twice a month, we take the campiest, juiciest, most melodramatic stories in the history of the universe and give them the full MST3K treatment. Uh, this is a mini-sode, so it's being served up between regular bi-monthly episodes as a sort of bonus. And today... As usual, I am joined by community journalist and neo-beetle maniac Jennifer Moody and by the Dark Lord of Averwan himself, Christopher Jerome, uh, author and owner of Dark Tidings Press. I'm Finn J.D. John, uh, principal creative and chief audiobook narrator for Pulplet Productions, and they call me Finn J.D. John unless, of course, you're Debbie Harry and you're calling me on the line, in which case you can... Yes. Wait for it. Call me, call me anytime, Debbie. Today we are giving the full GDT3K treatment to one of the stories that the late H.P. Lovecraft wrote for a client to represent it as her own. It's called The Horror in the Burying Ground, and it is probably the mostest campiest thing Lovecraft ever wrote, with the possible exception of the last episode of Herbert West Reanimator. We are going to have fun with this one. As you listen, you'll notice we're playing the actual audiobook narration of the chapters in the left channel, and on the right you'll hear us making sarcastic wisecracks about it. That way, if we get on your nerves, you can just pan over to the full left and enjoy the story. Or turn us down. Or up. And it works this time. I've checked it. Okay, let's get this party started. The Horror in the Burying Ground. Yes. By Hazel in the left and H.P. Lovecraft. The 5,800 oh, word short story. We haven't story, figured out 1933. what our, um, uh, what our bell ringing phrases are going to be. is the campiest of all mm. the healed collaborations. I don't, don't which know is really saying something. Hmm. I'm, also features I'm, going yeah. be, I'm going to be hidgeous. I'm going to be to come from Lovecraft's pen. I'm going to, I'm going to ring the bell every time if there's a hidgeous. Hidgeous, okay. And easily yeah. mistaken for earnest incompetence by the careless or uninitiated critic. Did he it take was this first back then? and present it to take Hazel it back? Healed sometime in 1933 well, he was it and published to someone else. four years later. Oh, no, he wrote it for her so that right. she could submit it to a magazine 1937 and, you know, issue build a, a reputation as a writer. Right, but he has his name on it now. The Horror well. in the well, Burying Ground. Yeah, people have, have figured it out. We put his name on it after he died. Travelers are forced to take the Stillwater Road past Swamp Hollow. The scenery swamp is superb in places. Oh, Lord. Yet, well, that would be a swamp holler if they were two states years. lower yeah. towards the there south. something depressing Keep paddling if you hear banjos. Especially no, near the water itself. <laughs> all those cars Motorists look feel crick. slightly uncomfortable about the tightly shuttered farmhouse on the knoll just north of the village. Ooh. And about the white-bearded half-wit who haunts the old <laughs> oh, burying ground. drink. There's always <laughs> a half-wit. <laughs> all right, I'll drink to the half-wit. occupants of some of the graves. Definitely. Hey, sometimes they're Not your much best is left conversation part. The soil is played out, and most and, of the people have drifted to the towns across the distant too. river, or to the city beyond the distant hills. But it beats the, the living. The steeple of the old white <laughs> oh, church yeah. has fallen down, and half of the twenty-odd straggling houses are empty and in various stages of decay. Normal life is found only around Peck's general store and filling station, and it is here that the curious stop now and then to ask about the shuttered house and the idiot who mutters to the dead. 
Most okay. of the questioners come away with a touch of distaste and disquiet. They find the shabby loungers oddly unpleasant and full of unnamed hints and speaking of the long past. You know, for someone whose both up, parents were committed there is a to menacing the uh, portentous quality all. in the tones which they use <laughs> to describe very ordinary events. Yeah. One of the nice things, though, about doing this sort of work, I suppose, was probably that he knew that nobody was going to like associate his name with some whispers at some points, which insidiously disturbs the listener. Hazel Hill wants to be a ghost story writer. Okay. often talk like that, but in this case, melancholy aspect of the half-moldering village and the dismal nature of the story unfolded give these gloomy secretive mannerisms an added significance well, they one feels the profoundly the ah, essential absolutely that lurks get some of those like Puritan crumbling strange um, steeples and things like that it belongs to yeah. a cover with the swamp to complete your cosmic uh, passport yes the loungers whisper impressively the that the shuttered house is that of old miss spray swamp hollow sophie yep. spray <laughs> brother Tom was buried on the 17th of June back in 86. Sophie was never the same. Eighty-six. After that it was funeral. a very good that year. That and the other thing, which happened the same day. Ooh, what other and thing? In the end, she took oh. to staying in all the time. Won't even be seen now, but leaves notes under the back door mat and has her things brought from the store by Ned Peck's boy. Afraid of something. The old swamp oh, hollow burying ground. Will most you get of my all. groceries? Check Never yes. Never could be <laughs> no. yes no. brother's a country song the there somewhere. Were laid away. <laughs> Not much wonder, though, seeing the way crazy Johnny Dow rants. He hangs around the burying ground all day and sometimes at night and claims he talks with Tom and the other. Well, then he marches by Sophie's house. Johnny has a things at her, more exciting social life than anyone else in this town. Right. He says things are coming from somewhere to get her sometime. Ought to be stopped, but one can't be too hard on hmm. poor, Johnny. poor Johnny. Besides, Steve Barber always has his opinions. Hmm. Johnny does his I'm talking sure to two of the too. graves. One Johnny's of them is Tom Marmaduke. Spriggs. <laughs> the other, <laughs> at the opposite end yes. of the graveyard, is that of Henry Thorndike who was buried on the same day. What a coincidence! Henry was the village undertaker, the no, only the undertaker. one in miles, and never oh. liked around Stillwater. A city fellow from Rutland, been to college and full of book learning. Read book learning. clear things nobody That's else what these city of. fellers think and is salsa. chemicals right. for no good purpose. No, Always trying to invent something new, not, some uh, newfangled embalming just, fluid or some uh, foolish kind of medicine. Embalming fluid. Who needs embalming? Yeah, back in my day, we left them out for the wolves. That's right. The next best profession. Of course, there wasn't much undertaking to do in a place like Stillwater. Oh, just you wait. On the side. <laughs> what about Lovecraft would have thought of this new movement and of a secret uh, mulching people are turning him the into trees? Bottles in I his don't know. Heap. No a friend of mine from middle school. A friend of mine from middle school is actually a big kind of. She wrote a book about it. The Green Reaper. Sophie. The Green Reaper. The way you experiment on animals was nature and scripture. And I've actually thought about this. When I actually shuffle off this mortal coil, I would prefer not to. Old Mrs. You know, Akeley's burden on my Then there was the matter of Deacon Levitt's mm -hmm. calf. I think I'm leaning that way over cremation. A band of the village like, boys to demand can't an buried accounting. Sea? Right. Just like, the curious you know, thing was that the Horatio calf came alive after style, all just in the end, though Tom had found it as stiff as a poker. We Some said the calf. joke was on yeah. Tom, but Thorndike probably thought otherwise, since he had gone down under his enemy's fist before the mistake mm. was discovered. You killed Tom, my of course, calf. was half drunk at the time. <laughs> he was a vicious brute at best and kept his poor sister half cowed with threats. Speaking That's of cows. probably yeah, why she is cowed. such a fear-racked creature still. 
There were only the two of them, and Tom would never let her leave because that meant splitting the property. Most of the fellows were Can't too afraid of him mm. to shine up to Sophie. He stood six feet one in his stockings. But Henry Thorndyke was a sly cuss who had ways of doing things behind folks' backs. He wasn't much to look at, but Sophie never discouraged well, him any. Who of Mean us are? and ugly as he was, <laughs> she'd have been glad if anybody could have freed her from her brother. She may not have stopped to wonder how she could get clear of him after he got her clear of Tom. That's called foreshadowing, well, boys and girls. You're a clue to quality literature. <laughs> Up to this point, the whispers of the loungers at Peck's store are not so unbearably portentous. But as they continue, the element of secretiveness and malign tension grows. Tom Sprague used to go to Rutland on periodic that's sprees. That makes it stand out alone as a Lovecraft story. Kind of so, yeah. Usually there's a, a he was super thick professor who's he like, oh, well, yeah. I was Dr. fainting Pratt, because I was overcome by... He was, used to that was going to be my drinking phrase. Like, before madness takes my mind, I must relate these events. I could always tell by the shouting and cursing when he was home again. Hmm. It was on the 9th of June, so on a he, Wednesday, uh, he likes the a day glass. after young Joshua Goodenow finished building his newfangled silo, that Tom started out on his last and longest spree. I have to wonder he what a newfangled silo is. And folks I mean, the it's square. Him lashing his base <laughs> down <laughs> when he did <laughs> whiskey. Surely that's him. it. Pentagon. Then there came yeah. shouts uh -huh. and shrieks <laughs> and oaths from the Sprague <laughs> house, and the first thing anybody the, the, the knew, the tetrahedronic silo. Oh, God. Pratt's at top speed. <laughs> the shining tetrahedronic the found silo. found at Sprague's when he got there. And Tom was on the bed in his room, with eyes starting and foam about his mouth. Oof, oh, oh Pratt fumbled around and gave the usual tests, then shook his head solemnly and told Sophie she had mouth? suffered yeah. a great bereavement, that her nearest and dearest had passed through mendos. the pearly gates <laughs> to a better land, just as everybody <laughs> knew he would Pop if rocks. he didn't yep. let up on his <laughs> drinking. Pop Sophie kind of sniffled, but didn't seem to take on much. Thorndyke didn't do anything but smile. Perhaps at the ironic fact that he, always an enemy, was now the only person who could be of any use to Thomas Sprague, he shouted something in old Dr. Pratt's half-good ear about the need of having the funeral early on account of Tom's condition. Drunks like that were always doubtful subjects, and any extra delay with merely rural facilities would entail consequences, visual and otherwise, hardly Ooh. acceptable to the deceased's loving mourners. Yeah. Better, better hurry up and stick him in the ground before he wakes up. We don't need that him fangled well in advance. No, fluid. no bomb of fluid, no. <laughs> At the same time, boasting He'll make his own juices when he wrappings. He's embalmed himself. I'll drink to that. It is here that the whispers of the loungers grow acutely disturbing. Up to this point, the story is usually told by Ezra Davenport or Luther Fry, if Ezra is laid up with chillblains, as he is apt to be in winter. But from there on, old Calvin Wheeler takes up the thread, and his voice has a damnably insidious way of suggesting oh, hidden not hideous, I feel like insidious is pretty close. There's a pause, for Stillwater does not like to have Johnny talk too much with strangers. <coughs> Calvin edges close to the traveler and sometimes seizes a coat lapel with his gnarled, mottled hand, while well, he half hmm. shuts his watery blue eyes. Well, sir... <laughs> He whispers, <laughs> Henry went home and got his undertaker's fixings. Crazy Johnny Dow lugged most of them, for he was always doing chores for Henry, and says as Doc Pratt and Crazy Johnny should help him lay out the body. 
Doc always did say as how he thought Johnny talked too much, a boastin' what a fine workman he was, and how lucky it was that Stillwater had a regular undertaker instead of burying folks just as they was, like so they do lucky. over to Whitby. Like they're getting ready Suppose, to do now? Says he, right. Some fellow regular was to be took with one of them paralyzing cramps. Like a fly-by-night undertaker, a freelancer? Like random dude with a shovel. <laughs> the music shovel man with a shovel. How do you like it when he was choking down there under the new Headstone scratching and tearing. No, sir, I tell uh, you it's a blessing. Stillwater's got a smart doctor as knows when a man's dead and when he ain't. And well, it's well, a blessing, yeah. Fix a corpse so he'll stay put. <laughs> That's no also trouble. a good, yeah. good. That was the way Henry <laughs> like, went on talking. I like corpses like to not to move about personally. Right. Maybe this undertaker should have. Uh, this is also foreshadowing. I'm guessing. Mannerworth guy. Even though Henry did call. Him I feel like doctor. foreshadowing has to be shadowy. Johnny kept a watch. <laughs> right. When, when you're foreshadowing with like sign. a like a 300 candle power spotlight. Like, hey, check it out. Seen his eyelids move. There's a hole in his arm, just like the ones I get when Henry gives me a syringe full of what makes me feel good. No. Oh, Ooh, my. Shut him up on that. Though we Strange all know he'd been giving ah, more This is what happened drugs. to George Bannerworth. It's a wonder yeah. the poor fellow ever got clear of the habit. But the worst thing, according to the doctor, got was clear the way the because his dealer got planted. Henry began to shoot it full of embalming <laughs> I fluid. think that's how He'd that worked. been boasting about what a fine new Oh, wait, we got the embalming got floor. practicing on cats and dogs. Oh, no, he's going to start getting high sudden, on that. Tom's mm. corpse began to double up like it was alive and fixing to wrestle. Wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> but Doc says you he was scared stiff, though he knowed the way corpses act when the muscles begin to stiffen. Well, sir, the long and the short of it is, that corpse sat up and grabbed a holt of Thorndike's syringe, so it got stuck in Henry himself and give him as neat a dose of his own embalming fluid as oh, you'd wish to see. That got Henry pretty That's a scared, lot of fine motor skills for a dead guy. Yep. Again and shot full of the fluid. He kept measuring more of the stuff out as though he wanted to be sure there was enough and he kept reassuring himself as not much had got into him. But crazy Johnny begun singing out, that's what you give Lie Hopkins' dog when he got all dead and stiff and then waked up again. Now you're a-going to get dead and stiff like Tom Sprague be. Remember, it don't set to work till after a long spell if you don't get much. <laughs> Sophie, she was Crazy Johnny, super healthy here. My wife, Matilde, she that's dead Matilde. and gone this 30 mm -hmm. years was one of them. They were all trying to find out She's whether Australian, Thorndike was I'm over sure. and Tom come home and whether finding him Matilde. there was what set poor Tom off. I may as well say as some folks thought it mighty funny that Sophie didn't carry on more, nor mind the way Thorndike had smiled. Not as anybody was hinting that Henry helped Tom off with some of his queer cooked up fluids and syringes. Or no, that Sophie would keep that. still if no, she thought so. Oh, sir. But no, you know, sir, no, ma'am. We'll We're not hinting it. We're just saying it. I could hated Tom. Not without reason at that. And Emily Barber says to my Matilde as how Henry was lucky to have old Doc Pratt right on the spot with a death certificate. And an ear trumpet. No doubt for nobody. <laughs> When old Doc Calvin Pratt. gets to this point, he usually out. begins to mumble indistinguishably in his straggling, dirty, white beard. Most listeners try to edge away from Colonel him, Sanders. and he seldom appears to heed the gesture. It is generally Fred Peck, he really who is likes a very the, uh, small the old boy drunk the character that just spills the beans into yeah. town. 
exposition. Thomas Sprague's funeral was Santa held Gallon, on Thursday, you know. June 17th. They're fish people! Yes. Give death, me some more wine! Zayn Allen! almost indecent and remote and inaccessible you have still this in water, form? where long distances yeah. had to be covered by those oh, who came. Oh, it's directly behind your head there. But Thondike had insisted collaborations that the peculiar condition of the deceased um, right demanded right, 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 the undertaker yeah, had seemed rather nervous since preparing the body and could be seen frequently feeling his own pulse. Now, let's see, it's 1933, so it's going to be about two-thirds of the way through about the this is volume three, available in bookstores near you. That's right. Naturally, the story of the laying out had spread so that the double zest oh, right. animated nice. the mourners who assembled to glut their curiosity <laughs> Typical and English morbid major. interest. Mm -hmm. Just opens Thorndike a huge book. It's like, oh, here it is. Ah, he seemed intent on doing his professional is this duty in magnificent <laughs> style. Sophie and others who saw the body were most startled by its utter lifelikeness. Wow. And the mortuary virtuoso oh. made I'm doubly sure of his job by repeating certain injections at state I'm getting better. I'm getting better. admiration from the townsfolk and visitors, though he tended to spoil that impression. That's their problem. They didn't have any embalming fluid in uh, that's, medieval that's, yes. England. Whenever he that's administered problem, to his right. silent charge, he would repeat hmm. that eternal rambling about the good luck of having a first-class undertaker. What he would say, as if directly Can't addressing just the just some body, watery tart injected my arm with a monster fluid. <laughs> <Waters. laughs> who bury their subjects alive. Mm -hmm. The way he harped on the horrors of premature burial was truly barbarous and sickening. Why Services is anybody held thinking or talking about premature burial? For like the first a lot. Time since yeah. Mrs. Sprague died. Odd. The tombless hmm. little but nobody's hitting at nothing. It's too bad Hercule Poirot is in here. I, I bet he trestles near the hall door was covered yes. with sickly smelling flowers. It was obvious that a record-breaking yes. crowd was the world's greatest detective is needed one last <laughs> time. There's a record-breaking crowd. I thought people hated this guy. At unguarded moments, record breaking what? Both oh, yeah. And they came to laugh and point. I think they were all excited about sticking him in the ground for Oh, maybe that, they want to make sure he stays there. But yeah. also, it sounds to me like this town is about, to be you know, a record breaking crowd is probably about 12 people. Mm -hmm. right. that she would soon send him about his business now that Tom was out of the way. <laughs> that is, if she could, for such a slick customer was sometimes hard to deal with. Smooth but with criminal. her money and remaining mm. looks, she might be able to get another fellow, and he'd probably take care of Henry well enough. As the organ wheezed into beautiful Isle of Somewhere, the Methodist church choir added their lugubrious oh, voices is, to this the gruesome cacophony, good. and everyone looked piously at Deacon Levitt. Everyone, that is, except crazy Johnny Dow, who kept his eyes glued to the still form beneath the glass of the coffin. He was muttering softly to himself, Stephen Barber, from the next farm, was the only was one who noticed Johnny. To the corpse. He shivered as he saw <laughs> he that the idiot was yet, talking so directly to the corpse and even making <laughs> foolish signs with his fingers as That's if to right, taunt the sleeper it. beneath the plate glass. Hmm. Tom, he reflected, had kicked poor Johnny around on more than one occasion, though probably not without provocation. Something about oh, this whole event was getting yeah. on Stephen's nerves. But only a little bit. There I could still hear the story, but not myself. There was a brooding abnormality in the air, for which he could not account. Have to do Johnny ought that not connection. to have been allowed in the house. Yeah, it was curious Johnny. what an effort Thorndike seemed to be making to not look at the body. <laughs> Every now and then, the undertaker was walking with his, his hand down. With an this is called air. subtext, boys and girls. The Reverend girls. Silas Atwood droned on in a plaintive <laughs> monotone about the deceased, <laughs> about the striking of death's sword in the midst of this little family, breaking the earthly tie between Ooh. this loving brother and sister. 
Several mm. of the neighbors looked furtively at one How another loving. from beneath lowered eyelids, while Sophie actually <laughs> began to this, sob this, nervously. This is like the point in Thorndike the, in the, to her the side proceedings at which, you know, her, Uncle, she Uncle Lenny cracks a Bud Light. Him. His Finally, conscious of his duty as master of ceremonies, he stepped forward and announced in a sepulchral voice that the body might be viewed for the last time. For the Slowly, last the friends time. and neighbors yeah, filed hurry past the beer, the from which Thorndike roughly dragged in someone else. away. Oh, God. Tom seemed to be resting peacefully. That devil had been handsome in his day. A few genuine sobs and many feigned ones were heard, <laughs> though most of the crowd were content to stare curiously and whisper afterward. HBO Steve Tales from Barber the Crypt style anthology show that's just Lovecraft stories in their original form. His, head. his wife, Emily, following See, that's what after I want him, my, whispered my that Henry to Thorndike had a few genuine sobs so and many fame ones for Tom's eyes <laughs> rang oh, out in the hey, air. Hey, hey, Tom's eyes are open. Eyes began, are open. Ding, ding, ding. For she had been up and looked. But they certainly looked natural. Let's go ahead and close those. Not the way one would expect after two days. Oh. When Fred Peck gets this far, he usually pauses, as if he did not like to continue. It's not as juicy the as I would like. The listener, too, no. tends to feel that something unpleasant or is ahead. Or as stiff. But Peck reassures <laughs> right. his audience with his statement that what happened isn't as bad as folks like to hint. Mm. Even mm. Steve never put into words what he may have thought, and Crazy Johnny, of course, can't be counted at all. Oh, certainly not. It was Luella yeah. Morse, the nervous old maid who sang in the choir, who seems to have touched <laughs> things off. She was filing past the coffin like the rest, but stopped to peer a little closer than anyone else except the barbers had peered. And then, without warning, she gave a shrill scream and fell in a dead faint. Oh, we got fainting there women! Go. Sing! Yes! Ding, ding. Once a chaos of confusion, <laughs> old Dr. Pratt elbowed his way to Luella and called for <laughs> some water to throw in her face, and others surged mm. up to look at her and the coffin. Johnny Dow began chanting to himself, he knows, he knows, he can hear all we're saying and see all we're doing. They'll bury him that way. <laughs> but no one stopped to decipher his mumbling except Steve Barber. In a very few moments, mm. Luella began Steve to come Barber out of her again. faint and yeah, could what, not tell exactly what had startled her. All she could whisper was, The way he looked, the way he looked. But to other eyes, the body seemed exactly the same. It was a gruesome well, sight, though, with those open well, eyes and that high coloring. And then the bewildered crowd noticed something which put both Luella and the body out of their minds for a moment. It was Thorndyke, on whom the sudden excitement and jostling crowd seemed to be having a curiously bad effect. He had evidently been knocked down in the general bustle and was on the floor trying to drag himself to a sitting posture. Jeez. The expression on his face was terrifying in the extreme and his eyes were beginning to take on a glazed, fishy expression. Mm. He could scarcely speak aloud, but the husky rattle of his throat held an ineffable yes. desperation, which was obvious to all. Get me home quick and let me be. That fluid I got in my arm by mistake. Heart action, the damned excitement. Too much. Wait, wait. Don't think I'm dead if I seem to only the... Fluid, just get me home and wait. I'll come to later. Don't know how long. Uh, this is All what the time Juliet I'll be had, and right? Know what's going on? <laughs> Don't uh, be deceived. Yes. And his words oh. trailed off into nothingness. Damn, about the Dr. Pratt really reached him and felt dead. his pulse, watching the, the long time, guy. finally shaking <clears throat> his head. 
No use doing anything. He's gone. Heart no good, and that fluid he got in his arm must have been bad stuff. Well, no, just said not is. to do this, but let's the kind do it of anyway. Numbness seemed to fall but Doc all Pratt the says new death in the chamber of death. Well, you know, we Only got Steve a doctor Barber who knows when a body's fixing to stay buried. Was he ought to know because he's mostly he dead himself. Said he might <laughs> right. falsely seem so. Wouldn't it be better to wait a while and see what would happen? And oh, for no. that matter, no, what would it do, do if Doc Bury them all were to and let God sort them out. looking over before burial? Oh. Crazy Johnny was moaning and had flung himself on Thorndyke's body like a faithful dog. Don't you bury him, don't you bury him. He ain't dead no more nor Lie Hopkins' dog, nor Deacon Levitt's calf was when he shot him full. He's got some stuff he puts into you to make you seem like dead when you ain't. You seem like dead, but you know everything that's going on. And the next day you come to as good as ever. Don't you bury him. He'll come to under the earth and he can't scratch up. He's a good man, not like Tom Sprague. Hope to God Tom scratches and chokes for hours and hours. Mm, but no, well, save Barbara was charitable. paying any attention to poor <laughs> he's John. He's a good man besides all the Indeed, people that he's Steve himself you know, has said with had the fluid. Oh, on deaf not to mention that dog. Uncertainty <clears> yeah, what the dog ever do Old anybody? Doc Pratt was applying final <laughs> tests and mumbling about death certification blanks, and unctuous Elder Atwood was suggesting that something be done about a double interment. With Thorndyke <laughs> dead, there was no undertaker this side of Rutland, and it would mean a terrible expense. There's a Sarah McLaughlin on the phone for you. Uh, uh, you, you want me to take a message? Well, <laughs> couldn't tell. And there were no relatives or friends to be critical, unless Sophie chose to be. But Sophie was on the other side of the room, staring silently, fixedly, and almost morbidly into her brother's coffin. Morbidly. Deacon Levitt tried to restore a semblance of decorum. I mean, is there a non-morbid way to stare into a coffin? carried across the hall to the sitting room, meanwhile sending Zenas Wells and Walter Perkins <laughs> over to the undertaker's <laughs> house for a coffin of the right size. I mean, unless it's... The key uh, was in uh, Henry's trousers Unless pocket. it's like... Almost John dawn in your vein and paw at the body. Okay. In, in which case, you could stare himself you know, with longingly. Yes. Home at last. Attended yeah. local services. When it was decided that his folks in Rutland, all dead now, had been Baptists, the Reverend Silas decided that Deacon Levitt had better offer the brief prayer. Oh, good. It was a gala day for the funeral fanciers of Stillwater and vicinity. Yeah. Woohoo! Even Big time in the old town. Enough to stay. You can tell this Gossip is pre-internet. and whispered, <laughs> busily. Have a very low, touches uh, were given very to low standard for entertainment. Form. Johnny had been cuffed out of the house, as it's most like agreed he should have been in the while first you're watching place, the but his distant yeah. howls were now and then wafted gruesomely in. Ooh. When the body was encoffined and laid out beside that of Thomas Sprague, the silent, almost frightening-looking Sophie gazed intently at it as she had gazed at her brothers. Oh, boy. She had not Grab uttered a, a word for dangerously long and time, and ass. the mixed expression yeah. on her face was past all describing or interpreting. As the others withdrew to leave her alone with the dead, she managed to find a sort of mechanical speech, but no one could make out the words, and she, she seemed to be robot. talking first to one body Fungui and then to the other. Enough. And now, <laughs> really would seem to go the acme of gruesome unconscious <laughs> comedy. The whole funeral mummery of the afternoon was listlessly repeated. Mummery. Again the organ wheezed. Again the choir screamed. Oh, they actually gave scraped. him a second funeral. Again, the droning incantation <laughs> well, that's not, I thought they were just going to throw him in the same the hole. Curious spectators you know, we got, we got taxpayer money to think about it. At this right. time, a dual array I, of mortuary repose. Um, 
Some of the more sensitive people shivered at the whole proceeding, and again Stephen Barber felt an underlying note of eldritch horror. And Ooh, eldritch horror! Eldritch, eldritch horror! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. a dingle. Both those Oops. corpses oh, were, and how in earnest well, poor Thorndike had been about not wanting to be judged dead, and how he Spot. hated Tom Sprague. If it wouldn't get us sued by uh, Paramount, I think you should get um, the dead man was a dead the Apocalypse Now clip of Brando saying the years of experience. The horror. And just playing every time bothered, the word horror is used. Bother oneself. Well, of course, Whatever that's, Tom had got, that's uh, a line deserved. from... The uh, Joseph Conrad novel that's published in 1890. If you're reading it, sure, but we can't use the Brando. Can't use the Brando. The Maybe we could get um, Sophie was left alone with the dead. Oh, what's once that? Uh, Merle Haggard can imitate road, anyone. To the hearse driver okay. from Lee's livery stable, and Deacon Levitt was arranging for a double quota of pallbearers. Luckily, the hearse would hold two coffins. come down here and do a Marlon no hurry. Ed Plummer and Ethan Stone were going ahead with shovels Ooh, to dig the second hearse. grave. There would hmm. be three livery hacks and any number of private rigs in the cavalcade. No use trying to keep the crowd away from the graves. Then came that frantic scream from the parlor where Sophie and the bodies were. Ooh, its suddenness almost too? paralyzed the crowd oh, and brought faint. back the same yeah, sensation which had fainted. Steve Barber and Deacon Levitt started to go in, but before they could enter the house, Sophie was bursting forth, oh, sobbing no. and gasping about, That face in the window! That face at the window! At the same time, a wild-eyed figure rounded the corner of the house, removing all mystery from Sophie's dramatic cry. It was, very obviously, the face's owner, poor crazy Johnny, who began to poor leap Johnny. up and down, pointing at Sophie and shrieking. She knows! She knows! I seen it in her face when she looked at him and talked to him. She knows and she's a-letting him go down in the earth to scratch and claw for air. But they'll talk to her so she can hear him. They'll talk to her and appear to her. Someday they'll come back and get her. Zena oh, Smells dragged the right. shrieking half-wit to a woodshed behind the house and bolted him in as best he could. His mm. screams and poundings could be heard at a distance, but nobody paid him any further attention. Well, the procession was made up, and with Sophie in the first hack, it slowly covered See, the short distance past the See, this is why we, we need to get rid of all of the, um, the entitlement ground. stuff. And, um, Elder you know, Atwood and made appropriate just, remarks you know, as Thomas Sprague was laid to rest, and care by the time he was through, Ed and Ethan had finished Thorndike's grave on the other side of the town. cemetery, totally. to which mm. the crowd was presently shifted. Deacon Levitt then spoke ornamentally, and the lowering process was repeated. People had begun to drift <laughs> off in knots, and the clatter of receding Ooh, buggies well. and carryalls was quite universal when the shovels began to fly again. As the earth thudded down on the coffin lids, Thorndike's first, Steve Barber noticed the, the bell above the grave and the string on their finger so they can ring the bell. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dead. He couldn't keep track of them all, but behind the rest, there seemed to lurk a sort of wry, perverse, half-suppressed look of vague triumph. He shook his head. Zenas had run ahead and let crazy Johnny out of the woodshed before Sophie got home, and the poor fellow at once made frantically for the graveyard. He arrived poor before the shovelmen were through, and while Take many of the crazy curious Johnny. mourners were still lingering about, what he shouted into Tom Sprague's partly filled grave, and how he clawed at the loose earth of Thorndike's freshly finished mound across the cemetery, surviving spectators still shudder to recall. Jotham Blake, the constable, had to take him back to the town farm by force, and his screams waked dreadful echoes. 
This is where Fred Peck usually leaves off the story. What Probably more, he asks, is there to tell? Figure it out it on your own. <laughs> tragedy, and one can scarcely uh, wonder the? that Sophie I don't get it. after that. What happened? And that is all one hears <laughs> if the hour is so late that old Calvin Wheeler has tottered home. But when he is still around, he breaks in again with that damnably suggestive and insidious drink. whisper. Yeah. Sometimes oh, those who hear Here him we go. dread oh, to yeah. pass either the shuttered <laughs> house or the graveyard afterward, especially after dark. <laughs> Fred was only a little shaver then, and don't remember no more than half of what was going on. You want to know why Sophie keeps her house shuttered and why crazy Johnny still keeps a-talking to the dead and a-shouting at Sophie's windows? We have well, no idea, sir, Calvin. I don't knows I know all there is to know, but I hear what I hear. Here the old man ejects his cud of tobacco and leans forward to buttonhole the listener. Oh, good. He takes well, his chew out. It was that same night, mind you, toward morning. And just eight hours after them burials, when we heard the first scream from Sophie's house, Woke us he all talks up. so much Steve better now that he's Barbara got a jewel. And, and Matilda goes over hot <laughs> all in night gear and finds Sophie all dressed and dead fainted on the setting room nope. floor. Fainted. Oh, somebody's fainted. Oh, when we got to her, she was a shaking like a leaf and wouldn't let on by so much as a word what was ailing her. We need some hedgesness. Emily done <laughs> what they could to quiet her down, but Steve whispered things to me as didn't make me none too easy. Come about an hour when we allowed that we'd be a-going home soon. That Sophie, she begun to tip her head on one side like she was a-listening to something. Then, on a sudden, she screamed again and keeled over in another faint. Oh, man. Oh, another faint. All right. Good Lord. You won't do no guessing like Steve Barber would have done Refill, sir. Dared. She's getting he good yeah. rest tonight. Hand for Thank you. Things. Died ten years ago of pneumonia. Pneumonia. What pneumonia. we heard so faint-like was just poor crazy Johnny, of course. Of course. Ain't no more than a mile to the burying ground, and he must have got out the window where they'd locked him up at the town farm, even if Constable Blake says he didn't get out that night. No. From that day to this, he hangs around them graves, a-talking to the both of them, cussing and kicking at Tom's mound, putting posies and things on Henry's. And when he ain't a-doing that, he's a-hanging around Sophie's shuttered windows, howling about what's a-coming soon to get her. I would have moved if she I were Sophie. Go near that I am. Yeah. Now she won't come out the house at all. Pretty good question. Nobody. Got to saying there was a curse on Stillwater, and I'm dinged if she ain't half right the way things is a-going to pieces these days. There certainly was something hmm. queer about Sophie right along. Once when Move Sally to Hopkins Arkham. was a-calling <laughs> in or 98, I stay here was, and never leave my house. Rattling at her windows, well, Crazy Johnny, Johnny screams at the windows that I'm going to die and someone's coming to, to get me. But I ain't taking no stock in their theories about noises every 17th of June. Or about faint shining figures a trying Sophie's door and windows every black morning about two o'clock. Muddy footprints you see, it was about floor. two o'clock in the morning that Sophie heard the sounds and keeled over twice that first night after the burying. Steve and me and Matilde and Emily heard the second lot, faint as it was, just like I told you. And I'm a-telling you again as how it must have been crazy Johnny over to the burying ground. Let Jotham Blake claim what he will. Who's Jotham there Blake now? There ain't no telling the sound of a man's voice so far off and with our heads so full of nonsense. There's an awful lot of no people in this town considering there's only eight of them that hang out at them. But we know the names of each one. 
Steve, yep. he claimed to have heard more than I did. <clears throat> I verily believe he took some stock in ghosts. Matilda and Emily was ghosts? so scared they didn't remember nothing what they heard. <laughs> Goat stock was going enough, up at the time. Nobody <laughs> in town. If Everybody was, was listening to Stevie Nicks albums. Never said nothing about hearing <laughs> no sounds at all. Whatever it was was so faint it might have been the wind if there hadn't been words. I made out a few, but don't want to say as I'd back up all Steve claimed to have caught. She-devil, all the time, Henry and Alive was plain, and so was you-know, said you'd stand by, get rid of him, and bury me, in a kind of changed voice. Then was that awful coming again someday, and a death-like squawk, but you can't tell me Johnny couldn't have made those sounds. Hey, you, what's taking you off in such a hurry? Maybe there's more I could tell you if I had a mind. If I could think up some more bullshit to feed you, stranger. Buy me another beer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sit you right down there at that bar. That appears to be the end oh, of the story. Is, that is the end of the story. Kind of ended abruptly. Yeah, it didn't, yeah. I didn't know what he was going for, but uh, it was interesting. All right, so yeah. are we thinking that Sophie did them both in, or that she was helping Henry do her brother in, and yeah. but was just as glad to be rid of Henry yeah. too? That's Good kind of what I'm leaning. Target yeah. of opportunity I, kind of thing. Yeah, going I don't on think there. she purposely oh, got rid of can... the second one, but uh, it's like, oh well, I'll just well, take well, right well, advantage of this. Gone. I feel, I mean, I, I feel like where the wagon falls off the road in this story, though, is that why would she stick around this town? Yeah, that's uh, like you should you know, sell her mother's silver and hit the road or whatever. I mean, it no, is. If she was hanging out because it was like a good property or she was rich or something, but we didn't get that impression since she just batted down the hatches and never came out again. I, I don't mean, think there are any good properties in this town. It's just kind of like, uh, like it. It's it's uh, like Dunwich or something like that. Right. You know? So where is Stillwater in relation to the rest of Lovecraft Country? That's what I want to know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm wondering if the water is still still if there's mosquito larvae in it. Ooh. Well, you mentioned old Yankees, so it must be somewhere in New England. Well, saying. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got to be with the rest of the, you know, day's ride from Innsmouth or something. Yeah, <laughs> it would probably have been Arkham if it hadn't been for um, for the fact that it was a, a, a ghost-written story. Right. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely had some normal Lovecraft qualities. I mean, his... Uh, his desire to portray backwater people with weird accents and uh, manner of yeah. speech that's very annoying. Um, <laughs> you know, not as bad yeah. as some other stuff. Like, as much as I love the Dunwich Horror, like, man, there are some parts of that that are hard to parse through just I because wonder, he's like, they're rednecks, get it? <laughs> I wonder if the Dunwich Horror wasn't written for a client that backed out on it. Because it really feels like a ghost-written Lovecraft story. Yeah. The Donald Charter does. I mean, it doesn't feel like the kind of thing that he wrote for himself. Right. I mean, as good as it is, I mean, there's open magic. The good versus evil stuff is a lot more prominent. You know, they kind of win in the end. You know, it just, uh, yeah, it's a little bit uh, It feels like the kind of story that he would have written for somebody else. And then he was like, well, you know, I need some money because, you know, the cheese and beans aren't really stretching and I need to be able to travel this summer. You know, and I think with this one, maybe it's just because I'm reading all the classic EC comics right now, but uh, it really it really feels like a Tales from the Crypt episode to me. Like, she got what was coming to her, died of fear, because she... Yep, killed yep, these yep. two dudes like it totally feels it's like the, I could the see the only thing that's missing is sex 
Right. And Lovecraft doesn't do that, so right. that's not an option. Because I totally could see, you know, an animatronic corpse, like, cackling <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> Make sure yeah. they're six feet under next time, you know, something, right. you know. I just, uh, you think that cheesy. they would have, like, I don't know, done something. They, they have, they got all the, all the reason to wait. They, they know that he injected the calf that came around. They know that, uh, well, apparently yeah. everybody's too dumb to figure that out. Yeah, yeah I guess. I mean, you know that all... he's yelling, I'm not Man. dead, I'm not, I'm gonna look like I'm dead, but what? I'm not. What? What did Yeah. And, <laughs> right, and, oh. they, and they only, and they bury him like oh. within a half an hour, you know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's it not, just, you well, think they would have just at least waited till morning or we something. Can't, uh, we, we can't waste this opportunity. It would cost a lot of money to right. have the yeah. people come out Quick, here again tomorrow. That's that's what bothered me, was like, plot totally overrode the characters in the to Johnny the point where they were digging. just obtuse because the plot needed them to right, be. Right, exactly. It was not oh, realistic yeah. whatsoever. What like, oh, totally. Oh, man. That's yeah. what no, I'm getting at. Uh, Howard Phillips Lovecraft would never in a million years have allowed anything like this to appear under his own name. No. This, like, is, this, is, this is something he's doing. But Hazel Heald was, um, well, she may have been a love interest, actually, although it was never... Nothing ever came of it, but um, according to um, Clifford Eddy, uh, or Clifford Eddy's wife, actually, I think it was her name was Muriel. She was kind of um, Hazel Heald was a pretty divorcee who was kind of you know hoping that something exciting would happen as a result of her association with Lovecraft, and this was the last story he wrote for her. So you know, well, I can also see that uh, the whole town being in on this, you yeah. know, because none of them liked Tom. And yeah. they were all suspicious of That's Henry. That's a really interesting thought, so, actually, I mean, I could Chad. see... Well, I don't think they are, because otherwise we wouldn't have no. people screaming and fainting in the middle of the church yeah. service. I don't think it was written but, that way, but it would have been it more interesting yeah. if it had if they been. Had, if he had, then it would have been, okay, the whole town is like, well, right. we're going to put on a sham of... Like, maybe the doctor's not in on it, but everybody right. else... Yeah. And the whole town is haunted by them or something. That's yeah. how that I would adjust it so the story was yeah, a little bit Yeah, so that Johnny that can is... go off on... And then everybody has a guilty conscience, and that's why the town is... Is falling right. apart, but which, which yeah. doesn't really explain why the why the um, why the old guys are hinting about it. But yeah, but, so I don't think that it was written that way, but it could have no, been, and that would have made been more sense. I wonder though if it if it wasn't like because one of the other stories that he did for Hazel Hill was called Out of the Aeons, and that one I'm almost sure that something like that happens. Okay. It's like a million year old mummy. That is that's brought out in the. We we might do it in another minisode sometime. We should. But yeah, totally. But it's one of the best collaboratives, and there's this subtext in it where you, when you finish the story, you're like, did they know? Did they know that they were actually because because they take this mummy and they're cutting on it, you know, to try and um, and figure out you know its secrets because it's millennia old, and blood starts coming out. It's yeah. alive. Okay. Um, because of the curse of some god that it barged in on, or whatever. Okay. And so then, then, and then it all kind of clicks together, and the reader is like, they knew, they hmm. knew that this mummy was, and and their, um, you know, Frankenstein-like zeal for knowledge was so great that they were willing to pretend that it was a dead thing when they knew it was a live thing. And that, that they really needed to wake it up by bringing the scroll to it. Hmm, interesting. Um, so, I mean, it could be. 
Well, I mean, they go out of their way to show that nobody liked Tom and nobody liked Henry. And the only person who really cared about anybody was Johnny. Crazy Charles. Yeah, who cared about Henry. He didn't like Tom either. I think he would have been perfectly happy to see Tom go, but he did like Henry. Well, yeah, because he's like, oh, it's fine if he claws his way out. He deserved that. pissing, Pissing on his grave and trying to dig up the other one. But yeah, even Crazy Johnny, who seems to have been less than fully crazy. So was he talking to the dead... But just because of the way that the almost frame narrative was set up, was Crazy Johnny talking to dead people before this event, or was all the references to him talking to dead bodies just him talking to these two? I think it was just after. I don't think he talked to the dead people. Okay, because they bring it up in the very beginning, but that's kind of the framing of, you know, hey, this is the stopping by, here's the guy. Yeah. yeah, Well, presumably everybody's everybody's dead as a doorknob now. It's like they had probably a really unpleasant 12 or 13 minutes, and then that was the end of that. There's a reservoir over the valley now <laughs> although they say every june 17th yeah that's right so, you know. that's awesome right on well have we mined all the goodness out of this uh out of this i actually enjoyed it if it's, if it's the campiest uh oh, thing absolutely. he's ever written i think it was kind of fun it's yeah. a, it's one of the campier ones it's, it's got issues, but it was fun. There's some, uh, there's some other good ones we can check out, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, for a little while, H.P. Lovecraft was sort of like trying to figure out what his voice was going to be. And for a little while, he seemed to be try- thinking that maybe it was going to be as a ghost story person. That he was going to be the literary guy that takes ghost stories seriously. And yep. so he was doing this, this you know, in- amazing high camp stuff that was just hilarious, frankly. And then all of a sudden he discovered um, Lord Dunsany. And he was like, oh no, that's where I'm going over there. These dark fairy stories, basically. And so then for the next like two years, he wrote nothing but, you know, Lord Dunsany pastiches. And and really, you know, it's good. Like the the white ship and stuff like that. And they're, you know, okay, they're short at least. (laughs) He's he's best appreciated when you have a context for. This uh-huh. is the period of life when he was writing this. This was when he was writing this, and here's what he was trying to accomplish. Yeah. Or the understanding that he didn't want to publish this one, and it was published after he died because he didn't want anyone to read it, and that's why it sucks. Yes. Because <laughs> like, there's so many of those where I know what I'm going he's to do. rolling in his grave right now. Like, no, that was in my <laughs> journal, you dick. <laughs> I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a Vothic style novel, and then I'm going to burn it so no one can ever read it again. In my and yeah. Right, and then Augie. Comes Next along, you know, scoops through yeah, the ashes, like, oh, and is wow, like, "Oh, I can slap my name on this one." And, a forty-three thousand-word yeah. novel, "The Dream <laughs> Quest of Unknown Kadath." <laughs> it doesn't suck. It's just it's dreamy, just different. Well, yeah. 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 Anyway. Yep. Well, that is a wrap for this Minnesota GDT3K, the Gothic Dreadful 3000 show. The, the Gothic. Let me try that again. The Gothic Dreadful Theater 3000 show. Look for another fast-falling turkey plunging from the news helicopter. Oh, the humanity! Yes. <laughs> oh. And all the passengers. As God is my witness, I thought this turkey could fly. Yes. That, <laughs> that is James Malcolm Reimer's classic, Barney the Vampire. Coming up in just a few days. <laughs> yes, like two days, because this is this is hitting on like the 13th and then on the 15th. There it is. Well, this uh, podcast is by Pulplet Productions in collaboration with Dark Tidings Press. For details of which, or to browse our respective catalogs, hit us up at darktidingspress.com or pulp-lit.com. Speaking of which... 
If you're into this podcast, you should totally join me and subscribe to the Dark Tidings, Dark Tidings Press newsletter. Um, you'll get a free novella if you do that. They've got several to choose from. And um, also you might check out Dark, Tri Dark Tidings Horror Comic, which is available on Webtoon, uh, Discordia. It's free and awesome. So check it out. Also, over at Pulp-Lit Productions, they are putting the finishing touches on a complete collection of the early short stories of Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot. Look for that on audible.com sometime before the end of this month. And I also want to say, we don't have a Patreon set up for this show yet. Uh, we don't have a main way to get in touch with us, but uh, hit up Dark Tidings Press on Facebook if you want to uh, maybe suggest a story we can riff on, the next whale that we can dynamite Ooh, on the beach. <laughs> Check yes. us out. Yes, that's a great idea. Well, this podcast was covered by a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial 4.0 international license, except for the theme music, which is used by permission. Speaking of which, our theme music is a traditional English ballad called Georgie by $4 Shoe. That's an old-time mountain music fiddle band out of Seattle. There's more where that came from at $4shoe.com. That is numeral $4 spelled out, D-O-L-L-A-R, shoe.com. Yeah, actually, I, um, I found out that the um, instrumental that basically plays us out is not Georgie. It's it's actually something that the uh, the banjo player kind of developed and wrote. It's called A Dancer's End, hmm. which is a reference to the place where they used to hang the highwaymen in London because yeah. they would drop them through the through the the floor and they would dance there on the end of the. How appropriately dreadful. Yes, dreadful AF. You did mention banjo music. <laughs> I did mention banjo music. Keep anyway. on paddling. <laughs> well, yes, that is it for tonight's episode of the Gothic Dreadful Theater 3000 podcast. We will be back in your ears in like two days or something like that with a regularly scheduled episode that is coming out, which I think is, is chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. Uh, until then, stay dreadful, my Tomb Legions. Stay dreadful. And also, please go on Facebook and let us know what you think of that as a, um, as a sign-off. Because I think it might be good. Are we done here? We're done here. I think we're done. Okay, the dead silence from my co-host is indicating to me that maybe I'd better keep thinking. We are still as the grave. <laughs> I'm drinking. As the very grave. The very grave. <laughs> right. The very same. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>